Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Neth with the Gardening for Gains podcast. And today we're going to be start talking about seed starting. Um, so let's dig in. And today, again, joining me as a guest is Tori Bruns. Uh, and so just to give a quick background for everybody. Um, so I am a gr- I'm a grower, gardener uh, with Gardening for Gains, and then also a product manager at AM Leonard. And Tori's also a product manager uh, here at AM Leonard. And a grower uh, at Mustard Seed Farms, Farm Market. Yeah. Mustard Seed Farm Market. Either or works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to do farm, but that name was already taken, so I couldn't do just farm. I had right. to add the market. It's no big deal. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so today we're just going to dive into uh, seed starting tips, um, talk about some of the supplies and like stuff that we're going through, you know, we're doing right now. Um, so, and, and it'd be a good take too, because we've got like, on my side, I'm more of like, a gardener, like backyard grower, and um, you know, I'm not going to be growing, like I'm growing straight in the field. And then Tori's got a different perspective because she's growing, you know, mostly in a greenhouse, high tunnel setting. Um, so right now, what do you got seeded up, or uh, yeah, what do you got growing right now in your greenhouse? Yeah. Um. So actually, I was trying to think of everything before we went into this. Yeah. Um. So I knew exactly what was growing because it seems like so long ago when I seeded it. Um, but I have um, some onions. Um, I have bunching onions, just a pretty generic variety because I'm just pulling those um, as green onions. Uh, typically, I probably would have direct seeded those in the ground if it was warmer mm-hmm. um, and if I had pelleted seed. Um, but since I didn't have pelleted seed and it's really cold out and I knew it was going to be slow to germ even in a greenhouse, mm-hmm. you know, without all the really good lighting that we have during the other months of the year. Um, so, so what time would you start seeding? Like if you seeded in a greenhouse with onions, what like what time of the year would you do that? Like right now or? Um, anywhere from end of January through mm-hmm. probably March. Okay. Um, March is actually kind of getting late because um, my grandma um, always said to plant onions and potatoes on Good Friday. Okay. So that was always the goal. Um, there was only one year when that didn't happen. That was last year because gotcha. I had knee surgery. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we had a lot of rain, so it wasn't going to happen either way. But, um, so I usually will backdate it from there. Um, if I were doing onions, like, in the fall, like a green bunching onion, like, mm-hmm. whenever it's a cooler season later, maybe August or something, it wouldn't take nearly as long, but it's just so slow right now. Yeah. Um, so and- then I... I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say you're on and I, I missed a part too. Like, so with your onion seeds, so go over like the seeds that you're planting and then what kind of tray okay. you're planting in. Yeah. So my bunching onions, they're non-coated or pelleted seed. Okay. Um, and I planted those into a 288 with a Berger. Um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not, but that's how I always pronounce yeah. it. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, I think it's Berger, Berger? But, okay. but people well, say burger. And I'm that. very German, <laughs> yeah. so that's like Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Germans would pronounce it. So uh, that's actually most of my ancestors. Actually, all of my family, besides my family, pronounces my last name Bruns. Oh, okay. Very, Interesting. That's the way the Germans say it, but my family moved to Verzales area, and they're all French, and they okay. pronounce it Bruns. Nice. More Interesting. sophisticated, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyway, I guess back on topic. <laughs> so planting bunching onions, they're non-coated or pelleted. Um, planted them as in two, planted those in a 288. Okay. Um, with that germination mix, 
Um, I planted those the first week of February. Okay. Uh, I was going to do it the last week of January, but that was when we had that like negative 40 wind chill. It was super cold. (laughs) I didn't want to think about trying to heat a greenhouse then. Oh, for sure. And I didn't have very, I didn't have my new plastic on that then either. So that kind of delayed it because I didn't have good insulation. There's a lot of holes in it. Um, And then I'm planting a, there's three varieties that I get from Rupp seeds. Um, all three of them are coated and pe- or pelleted seed, so it makes it a lot easier for me to plant them really quickly. And oh, yeah. they are always in the center of my 288 plug cell tray. Um, and those are those varieties are called Red Defender, Candy Honey, which is pretty typical, and then Great White. Um, I really I really liked all three varieties last year, so I went ahead and planted the same ones for this year. Um, so onions, and then I have broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage. I did the same thing, 288, same germ mix. Um, I chose varieties of broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage though that are better suited for going from cool to warm season. Okay. Hopefully that makes a difference. I don't know, I think some years it yeah. doesn't really matter. Like we talked about in the last podcast is like last year's spring was non-existent and went straight from winter to summer. So hopefully we have a normal spring, which is not normal to have normal weather in Ohio. Yeah. It's like one season at least is always like completely out of whack. Um, so I planted Arcadia broccoli. Um, and then I'm planting, I planted a purple variety of cauliflower. Okay, um, cool. And then a good um, self-blanching where the um, leaves of the cauliflower cover it. So those two varieties um, it's called the purple and shakiri. They're really good at self-wrapping. Okay. So then the uh, cauliflower doesn't turn yellow. It stays a really nice white color. Nice. Or the purple, I guess. Um, and then far as cabbage goes, um, planted more red. I found that people like the red cap For my CSA, they like the red cabbage more mm-hmm. than the white cabbage or green cabbage. Um, so I got some red uh, and green cabbage growing, some Chinese cabbage. Um, and then I actually just like 12 days ago, I started my peppers and tomatoes for the high tunnel. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, and then I got kale, all kinds of kale. I got Salanova lettuce, um, but I am looking into, um, there's another seed company called Osborne Seeds. Hmm. And um, I like I, you told me about those guys. Yeah, at yeah. OEFFA, um, they had mentioned, I think it was that Clay Bottom Farm speaker was it him I yeah, think. yeah i think so he's yeah because i think you gave me like a packet of seeds yeah like there was like a root or a mizuna or something like yeah that. yeah yeah um osborne seed sells a similar um variety that johnny sells and johnny's is like the salanova line is like really really expensive it's yep. really good stuff you can like cut it multiple times as leaf or okay. you can cut it as a whole head hmm. um Interesting. and it's really slow to bolt um it's just a really, really good lettuce. Uh, so I did buy that prior to hearing that guy's talk because oh, nice. then he said that he bought it from Osborne Seeds and they have a um, similar varieties that are a lot cheaper. So I think next, my next, like maybe my fall crop, I'll think about buying some seed for like a fall season lettuce and mm-hmm. I might compare the two. Um, I got some romaine and that's about all I have growing now. Cool. So as far as your peppers and tomatoes, what kind of trays did you seed those in? I did those in 288s as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I pretty much start everything in a 288 unless Mm -hmm. it's like, um, like next week, hopefully, um, hopefully we get some more sunny days. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can, I need to transplant some things in my lettuce. I can transplant up into like a 1203 mm. or something like that, um, or an 1804 uh, pack cell pack or whatever they call those mm -hmm. and then i'll have more room on my heat my bottom heat so i can seed up some of my flowers um so i'm starting flowers and then my second round of lettuce next week okay cool um trying to think what what was your question again i don't remember i'm sorry um no it was just uh, the oh yeah the just two the eights. Yeah. yeah so i do two oh, yeah, eights. Yeah. yeah um and then once they get their second set of true leaves then i'll transplant them usually into a 1203 okay gotcha yeah. And then, so are you like you're just putting either from twelve oh three straight in the ground then? Or? Yeah, okay. usually okay. I try to time it out. I don't like to th things to sit too long. Yeah. Um, or else it's just long and leggy, or they start oh, to, sure. you know, produce flowers, and you don't really want that before they're transplanted. Um, yeah, so that's how I do that. But there okay. there are a few exceptions. Like if I were to, typically I direct sow my cucumbers and pumpkins, um, mm -hmm. but those are really big seeds, and so any seed that like is like fits at least half of like the length of one of those 288 cells. Mm -hmm. um, I'll usually do it in a larger tray, like a 72 cell. Gotcha. Um, or some of them I'll even do some of the seeds that are so easy to transplant, like herbs, like thyme and stuff. Sometimes I'll just do those directly into 1203 if it's summertime or oh, warmer yeah. out, but um, just cause they grow a lot faster during that time of the year. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so I'm kind of like on the same page as you. So I started up onions in the 288. So I've got two of those, and then the mixes I used um, actually had some sampled like soil packs from okay. Lambert. Um, so I used the Lambert germination mix for one of them, and then I actually used a. Um, I'm trying to think what it what it was. It was a uh, pit moss. Have you ever heard of that company? No, it's like, like they P I T T. Yeah. Okay. So it's like they take uh, paper, like recycled paper, and make like a paper peat moss hmm. basically out of it. So, and it's a product that I'm like a lot cheaper. Is that why or? Um, it's just a more sustainable product because right. like peat is a you know peat is kind of like taking oil out of the ground. You know, it's an it, it's renewable, but it takes so long to mm -hmm. for it to you know repropagate or you know actually form. So. So this is like a more sustainable version of it. And then actually that product was on Shark Tank, I believe, and oh, it got backed cool. by Mark Cuban. So I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Maybe we'll add this product here. So um, so like comparing those two, it was kind of interesting though, because like I noticed the pit moss wasn't growing that well. I'm like, what's going on here? And so I was like upstairs, like so I have my plant lab, which is like my upstairs growing area where I have like my um, like a closet filled with grow lights mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah, it sounds like super shady when I say yeah, it like I wonder that. what your neighbors think. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, I have like a grow rack outside of it. So it's got like four levels. So I have the onions on the lowest level cause I'm thinking, Oh, well cold air sinks. So I'll leave the cold crops down at the bottom. So I was watering something else and I turned around and my dog was sitting there like, just like rooting around in it. And I just Aww. hear like, <laughs> And I look over and she's like chomping the tops of the onions off. Oh my goodness. Which is like double bad because it's like killing my onions. <laughs> and then onions are poisonous to dogs. So. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So onions and garlic are super poisonous to dogs. So huh. something to keep in mind, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're going to give them like steak or, you know, stuff like that. Because like all those seasonings have like any seasoning you put on it is going to have like garlic or onions in it. So. 
Huh. So, like, luckily it wasn't a lot that she ate. I only heard but... of, like, peanut butter or chocolate or something like that. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, chocolate. yeah. Okay. yeah. You can't give peanut butter to young kids. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the pit moss was actually growing well, but it was just wildlife getting into my... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I thought that was kind of interesting that she... She's a really good dog, but <laughs> she's just over there just munching away. I'm like, okay, so... But it's, but it's doing well other than that. So I've got those in the 288. Um, and then the other thing I planted around that time was celery. And I put those in a 72 cell tray. Mm -hmm. And it's actually doing pretty well. I was surprised. Like I have one plant that's like probably six inches tall right now. And then the rest are just, they look like baby uh, cilantro basically. Yeah. So so the rest of them are doing pretty pretty normal. That one is just just one outlier so yeah might just grow that one for seed and just keep the seed maybe yeah maybe it's like a wild celery or something right like that. yeah so and it actually kind of looks a little bit different so i'm gonna like see how they i don't know if it's a different variety or what um but other than that then i've got some kale or, or lettuce i've got some head lettuce and some spinach um and i put both of those in 288 trays <clears throat> and actually for the lettuce i just like sprinkled seed Mm -hmm. all over the place like I just sprinkled it all over the tray and then just put a layer of dirt on top of it mm -hmm. and so I've got like three you know three coming out of some of those cells but I figure could, it'll be okay yeah if you cut it as leaf lettuce no big, yeah no big deal yeah so I, I guess that was more of a test for me than anything yeah. lettuce seed is so small too it's like exactly. it's impossible if you don't get pelleted it's like impossible to just get one seed per thing yeah and it was it takes so long too because it's like 72 cell tray takes long enough and then when you get up to 288 you're like okay this is pretty tedious yes. <laughs> so which it was fine for onions because the seeds big enough i guess but yeah. but yeah so so I, the spinach i was able to be a little bit more precise so i got one in every every tray and or every cell so that's growing pretty well um and then both of those i used a product called spike soil and mm -hmm. basically it's just a um it's got like mycorrhizae in it so i think that's helped helped out a lot um and the small like fertilizer charge and then other than that then i got one other 72 cell tray and then i split that with celery and broccoli so so i'm gonna have a ton of celery <laughs> Or no, actually, I think I put kale and broccoli. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Still a lot. Wait, it was a 280 or a 72? That was a 72. Oh, okay. I was yeah, going to say, wow, I was like, whole half flat of Yeah, because I'm like, I think I ended up with like 30, uh, like 30 or 35 of broccoli. So, like, mm -hmm. that's a pretty manageable number. Yeah. It's probably still going to be a lot, like, way too much, but I'd rather... You can just, like, do the zigzag, you know? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you grow your broccoli, do you like stake it up at all or anything or mm -mm. no, just let it go? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I haven't done it since so long. Like I think I did it like my first year when I gardened yeah. and I had it in like a three gallon root pouch or so yeah, I didn't do well in the root pouch because I was a newbie and didn't know what I was <laughs> doing. But once I put them like in a raised bed, then they did really well. It's yeah. just a matter of like dealing with the worms and all that stuff. Oh my you know? goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like either it's a hit or miss with broccoli and exactly. cauliflower. Um, I did notice that my purple, that to purple variety that mm -hmm. I did, that did really well last year. I was nice. surprised even when we had that ad, like really bad weather. And I did see that they, you know, sometimes they'll, a seed company will know, oh, this is like good in the summer and this is good in the spring or cooler weather and stuff. And sometimes like, I don't know, 
I don't always believe it, but right. um, <laughs> that one definitely cool. um, it held up whenever I had it next to my other varieties, like the white variety that I grew last year. Um, it outperformed that, which I was really surprised nice. of because yeah, usually like those colored specialty ones, they don't yield quite as much, but right. they did really, really well. Nice. Yeah. But So how much? No, oh, I'm sorry. We're, yeah, we are kind of getting a little yeah, off, topic. off topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So basically just to kind of wrap that up, like Tori used, used a lot of like 288 cell trays. Um, and, you know, so that works well, like for the volumes that she's doing and, you know, especially with turning the crops a lot quicker, like that's going to help get your tomatoes more established a lot quicker. Um, so my, like my reasoning for using like 72 cell trays is just cause I don't have as many plants I'm going to use. So, um, so it's, it works well. And so I like to tr like, I try like the 72 cells with like bigger plants, like broccoli and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind. And even if you don't want to go up to the 288s, you can always use like a smaller, um, smaller cells. Even if you have like a 72 cell, you can get one that's not, maybe not as deep or not as wide of a, uh, of a diameter. And that could help out a lot too. Um, so, so as far as like where you start your seeds are, how like where do you put where are you starting yours at um i have i have a greenhouse okay. um but i don't have like permanent heating in it mm -hmm. um so i set up a small area basically within my greenhouse that i actually heat okay um and i like push the limits to where my like lows lows at night are like 55 okay um but I have 65 degree bottom heat on them and usually that's the maximum amount like you're not supposed to have more than a 15 degree difference between your air temperature and your soil temperature okay whenever you're starting seeds actually it's because the it'll trip a breaker so <laughs> you have to do that um so that's why I have it that way and that's about as that's like as warm as I can get it without, you know, having the investment of buying a, running a natural gas line or a propane or something like that and having mm. a really expensive heater. Um, because most of mine is, it's not a full fledged greenhouse. Um, I'm like planting directly into the soil. So like you said, mm -hmm. I started off in like 288s, get as much as I can in a small area to heat it. Um, and then transplant that up and get it into the ground as fast as I can. Nice. Um, and then, so I heat it with just some sort of generic heater that um, got at a Home Depot or someplace like that. Um, and then uh, I use the Agritape heat mat that we sell here. Okay, nice. Um, and I've had that for five years now wow. and it's still works great. Um, more reliable than the heater that I got from Home Depot just <laughs> yeah. this year. So nice. I really like that heat mat. Um, I ordered another one so that way nice. I can. Um, what size is your heat mat? Um, I got a 10 foot. Okay. Yeah. And it's just like what one foot wide or something like that, it's or twenty four inches wide. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Twenty two, I think it is. Um, and so then basically, and you pay by the linear foot. So mm -hmm. I got a ten foot, so I can fit ten of my two eighty eight flats on that one heat mat. Nice. Um, but then because we're still in like really cool weather, like I would still like to have maybe heat mat on even my twelve oh threes for a little bit to ease them. Um, to get them to transplanting, mm -hmm. maybe just bump down that soil temperature a little bit. Um, and then I have, I use the Total Grow um, LED lights that we sell here too. Oh, cool. Um, and that's kind of basically the climate that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, 
it does get if it's warm if it's sunny outside it could be 30 degrees and sunny outside and it'll be 85 80 wow. in that little greenhouse the area that i heat that's crazy um, <laughs> yeah yeah and so on those days it's like really great because they're just like a flush of you know they oh, get a lot man. all of that energy reserves that they had on those cloudy cooler days it's like finally they can explode oh for sure so that's, that's really cool. nice so hopefully we get some more sunny days we've had a couple in the last couple. two weeks <laughs> yeah, which a is couple. really sad but yeah. like hopefully there's a couple more next week and yeah it'll start to show so but. for the grow lights are you using the stratum yeah yeah cool that's yeah awesome. i really really like those i do too i was really shocked and um just how like thin they are you know they're like, so light and yeah. I, I could install them by myself yep green tree i probably should have used something more significant um to install them i actually just use like bale string and like tied oh. it to the top of like this growing area that i have covered within my greenhouse um and but i didn't really have to worry about it. i mean i, th- I was yeah. planning on having to go buy a chain and like oh this is gonna be heavy like i'm gonna have to install these it's gonna have to be like heavy duty yeah and i like get these things out they're such good quality <laughs> yeah still but they're lightweight because they're you know maximum efficiency you know what i mean exactly I, yeah i really really like those yeah and i like added that product just because of my own selfish use <laughs> like I'm like that would be perfect for like really a, good. a grow rack and like that's what like, it's four feet long so yeah typical typically like your shelving units are typically like 48 inches exactly it's like the perfect length or I even think. like greenhouse benches too like mm-hmm. so yeah and that's that's what i was gonna i see this you got the chart here that shows like the light footprint and that's what i was um i was thinking about when i went home at lunch like i'm now that i'm starting to see some so i just put one grow light per rack Mm -hmm. because and you know i tested it like um we've got one of the uh, light meters that we carry the hydro farm uh, quantum par meter Mm -hmm. and so it's not like it's not 100 percent accurate but at least it'll give you a good idea of the measurements so like if you're out on like the edge of the tray, you know, the, the numbers might be more around like a hundred, uh, moles per, okay. uh, meter squared. <laughs> I was trying to think micro moles. So it's like a hundred micro moles, like on the edge. And then like towards the middle, it's more, it's closer to like 200, I believe. So that's you know, still a good range though. Exactly. Perfect. Cause last year what I was doing is using a different, we have a, um, like a broad spectrum bulb. So, you know, it's only actually covering like a one foot, one square foot area, but I use that for each tray that I had last year. So, you know, I thought that would be enough and I didn't know about like light measurements at that point. So, so I use that and somehow I was able to grow all my, you know, seedlings that way, but it, it really wasn't enough power. So when I got these things, I'm like, well, even if it's, even if some of my plants are leaning in, at least they're, they're getting the right power, you know, a better output of power. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty pretty awesome lights. I'm really impressed with them. Um, and so so you're just so you're using that light actually in your greenhouse then. Yeah, I okay, am. Cool. Um, we don't have enough sunny days. Like right. we said, we've had like two in the last two weeks or something like that. So how high do you have them above your plants? Um, since they still get natural sunlight, um, I have them about. I want to say like eight no not even 18 inches i would say okay. less than that away from them so they still get really good lighting quality yeah um and then like i said i have a 10 foot um heat mat on a on a bench that um within the greenhouse and then the um, i have two of the lights on that 10 foot bench and so there's a little bit of a gap between it but mm-hmm. um i still get really good light 
um, across all of those 10 feet. Nice. Bench. Cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think I, I kind of already went over my setup there. Um, and and yeah, I'm able to, I'm getting what, four, four trays per light basically, so. Yeah. So that's not bad. I mean, yeah. especially for the price, I think the retail on it's like one fifty nine ninety nine. So it has a five year warranty too. Yeah, which I, that's a good that was point. like a big. I was like, yes, this is the one I want. And yep. then it's like lightweight. <laughs> I could install it myself. Um, I also don't have electric out in my greenhouse, mm. like permanent electric. Oh, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's really inefficient for me to run an <laughs> extension cord out for something that would be like you know the maybe the older lights. Um, the fluorescent lighting or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it would draw way too much power for me. So the exactly. LED lights were like literally the perfect setup for me because it draws like hardly any power. Yep. Um, and I get a good quality light. It's light and so I can take it down whenever I'm done growing in that greenhouse area. Cause usually I take that area down. Oh, gotcha. Um, after like April probably. Um, and then I'll, I'll plant into that area too. Okay. So right wherever that heating that bench is and stuff, I pull that out and I start planting into it. So nice. it'll make it a lot easier for me to clean up. Cool. So. Yeah, and those are only what forty watt lights. So mm-hmm. yeah, so you can fit a lot in a, in a small space and you know really get a, a ton of a ton of power for for a very little input. Um, so I guess kind of going off that, like you know, what are some of the like daily things that you're doing for seeds? Like what? What, the, what does it require to actually grow from seed? Because I always thought it was so hard to do. Like when I first started gardening, like that was like my biggest pain point. I'm like, you know, I'll just, you know, get transplants. And then like once once you get through that first season, you're like, that'd be really cool to like do the full process. So like when I first started. You don't started, want them to die. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. Yes. Like I have to plant every single one of these. Cause yes. I, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was like running into so many problems because then I would see like, you know, then you'd get like some yellowing or you would get like your plants would start stretching or they would just grow really weird. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I like figured out, like there are some, there's some definite like daily things you need to do. So like, do you do check them out, check your plants like first thing in the morning or? Yeah. Right before yeah. I come to work, um, I go out there, I turn on my led lights. So mm-hmm. I run them for about 12 hours a day. Okay. Um, so as soon as I, before I go to work, I water them. Um, I use a um, a Jackdo backpack sprayer oh, okay. to like, and I set it on like a misting setting, um, and that's what I use to water them because mm. they're really delicate. I don't can't use like a regular watering hose. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So, whenever they're still in their two eighty eights, I usually use a backpack to water them, okay. um, and then I turn on my LED lights. And then um, I usually have someone come and check them at noon, and then um, again around like four o'clock, and then usually when I get home. Depends on what time I get home, like five or six. Yeah. Um, and then I'll check them again. And then usually by that time, it's been 12 hours since I've had the light on. And I'll unplug the light um, and then try to make sure that the greenhouse is closed tightly to keep all the heat in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way they stay warm throughout the night. <clears throat> um, so that's typically what I do on a daily basis. Um, as far as starting seeds, though, that was a really, you know, that's a good point. I was really overwhelmed by it, too. Um, and I can see how it is, but it's actually just so easy. I mean, it's right. like trial and error. <laughs> yep. And you have to use what you have um, to figure out what's best for you. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to like watch YouTube videos on what everyone else is doing and then think you have to do that exact same thing, but you don't, yep. you know, figure out a place that's warm enough for them. And if it's not outside, then um, 
you know, you have to supply, you know, artificial lighting or a heater. Um, and then you just really need soil medium, something for them to grow in. Yeah. Whatever size cell tray that is, whether it's a 72 or if it's a sour cream container <laughs> yeah. or if it's a 288 cell tray, um, you know, and then just try it out. The biggest thing, though, is to not overplant. Like, don't plant more than you need and um, don't plant them too early. You know, yeah. we can get a 72 degree day in January and all of a sudden we think it's spring. But no, it's <laughs> yeah. just Ohio teasing us. Exactly. It's going to snow next <laughs> you know, the next 12 hours or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, I, I started to do a podcast on my way home from lunch and then like, I just kept having to redo it because I would say something <laughs> stupid. But, but that was one of the things I said, I'm like, you know, it's March 1st and like most people are like, oh, it's springtime, but we woke up with like a, an inch of snow or whatever this morning. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it's, it's really not, no matter how warm it is, it's not time to plant until you get that last frost date. So mm -hmm. Like, I think that people have this, like, romantic point of view in their mind that, like, oh, it's March, it's springtime, and back in my day, we always used to do this. And, like, I think people just think that think that things were diff so different, like, so drastically different with the weather. And, I like, I'm sure that it has changed a little bit, but, like, I don't know. I think that people, like, blow it out of proportion a little bit, too. Yeah, spring's <laughs> usually not that pretty in Ohio. Exactly. <laughs> it's usually <laughs> raining a lot, and it's cloudy, and you'll still get snow. And yeah, I mean, we've seen snow in early May before. Like, oh, yeah. Just in the last probably five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I remember the first week of May we got snow. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it was like happen. 2014. Yeah. Was that, I think, I think it, it was. could have been, yeah. I think I was on my, doing my internship at a greenhouse then. It was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but then it was good for them because then everyone, their plants all died the day of planted too early outside right. and they came in and bought more. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Another, but, you know, another really good benefit to starting your own seeds is. And this really um, came, like, I didn't really under know this until I had worked in a greenhouse. Um, and a lot of greenhouses will use, like, plant growth regulators or ways mm -hmm. to shorten that plant, that tomato plant, and stun its growth. So that way it doesn't get long and leggy on them. Um, and that is, like, that was, like, a huge eye-opener for me. Seriously. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm never going to buy another yeah. tomato plant from someone else grew. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you said that, it blew my, my mind. Yeah, I could not. And I did. I, I did take one and just to plant it next to it, and it, it was like July, and it was half the height as the other tomato wow. plants. You know, it was planted at the same time. Um, That's crazy. You know, similar yeah. varieties and stuff. It's nothing to do with that, but. Yep. Yeah, and then that way you know what seed you're, you're planting the seed you want and the varieties you want to. Exactly. You're not at up to whatever that greenhouse chooses. Not yeah. that. You should not support greenhouses, but right. um, you know, if you if you're an avid gardener and you really like certain varieties and you're you really like a certain quality with your produce and your plants, then highly recommend starting seeds yourself. Yeah, yeah, and you like you said, you just never know what what the whole process looks like, and you know, a lot of people are like, if you go to like a big box store, you know, they're growing the plants for profit. It's not it's not for uh, you know the whole pro like. Being, the, being the, control having the, the biggest tomato or having exactly. the best tasting tomato they're yeah. going to choose seed varieties that are you know economical for them to produce and to sell at that really low cost that they have in those exactly. box stores yep yeah and i would say you know as far as like daily care that i do i do the same same kind of thing like i turn my plant uh turn my lights on on my grow rack around like five like five in the morning is when i've been doing it um 
So I, I like actually just started keeping a plant log of like every action I take um, when I go up to you know the plant lab, and then actually you know anytime I do anything, even if it's a check in. And then just write some like simple observations and try to make it more like a science project. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that'll be good because then I can like collect all my thoughts at the end of the week. And then, you know, that that'll be something really beneficial once we get into the CSA, too, because then I can say, hey, you know, this has been we're starting to see the flowers come on the tomatoes. So maybe a, a week or two or, you know, th- mm-hmm. just simple things like that. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I always look at it, too, as like you know, what would you do for your body? So like when I wake up, I drink water, you know, just do all the basics. So that's the first thing I check is like, make sure they got enough water. Um, and then beyond that, like the lighting, you know, lighting isn't so much of an issue for me because I've got the grow lights, but um, you know, if you don't have lights or don't have the money or infrastructure to do that or a greenhouse, you know, a lot of people, what you can do is put it in like a South facing window. Um, so I feel like that, and that was my biggest problem was that I never really had like a full day supply. But but I think that's probably the biggest problem a lot of people are gonna run into if they don't have a lighting system set up. Um, so that's something just to keep an eye on. And you can always get pretty cheap grow lights like, you know, from Amazon or whatever. But, but I can say from experience, like I got some of those just to test them out. And some of them stopped working within that same year. And they were like 25 bucks. But still, you know, if you had to buy two every year, that's 50 bucks that you've invested. Plus your time of ordering it. Exactly. Plus the time, plus whatever, you know, you might have lost because you have to wait a couple of days for shipping. And there's really, usually they don't have any like certification. They're just some piece of crap out of like China or China. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's like a big thing. Um, and then like, you know, a couple weeks, I'd say two to four weeks after your seeds get started, um, that's about the time when I'll start fertilizing a little bit more. I don't know. How, when do you start for your fertilization? Like, um, I don't start fertilizing um, until after I transplant from the 288 up. Okay. With the gotcha. exception of like the onions, because I leave those in the 288. Okay. Um, usually the onions will get big enough to where you'll start to see a little bit of a bulb where they're white, the white part is of okay. the onion at the, at the soil level. Um, once I start to see that, then I'll give them a really weak um, fertilizer, okay. just a general purpose fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to grow the onions to flowers. I'm not as you know concerned about that. Um, so they don't have any really special needs for me anyway. I'm yeah. sure other people do. Um, I just try to keep it simple. Yep. Uh, and then as far as basically any other crop, as soon as I transplant it from that 288, to a 1203, um, then I, that's when I start fertilizing them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And usually then it's more of a, a nitrogen-heavy um, fertilizer. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and that's what I, I almost started fertilizing today because I think today would be like, I've actually had my onions in the celery, I guess they've been in the trays for like a month now. So, so they've been in there for a while and I've been really hesitant on like doing any fertilizer just because I... And that's another thing you have to be cognizant of, and that's why I'm glad I said this, but um, a lot of your soil medias are gonna have like a fertilizer charge already in them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's um, something just to keep in mind too. I mean, it's hard to tell like how long that's gonna last. Um, you know, the good thing is like for tomatoes, you know, they're heavy feeders, so that probably won't cause a problem, but you know, it's good just to kind of keep an eye on it. If you do see like, your colors of your leaves changing that might be you know that would be a clear indication that you need some 
some fertil fertilizer. Um, so that's good to know. I'll probably have to take mark that down in my notes. Yeah, to, or be, even you just don't want to. Whenever they're really young, they're so susceptible to like just being burned and fried. Yeah. So if you, I always say like if I do use fertilizer when they're younger, I just do it really diluted. Yeah. Um, do like half strength or quarter strength or yeah, something. Yeah, probably quarter strength. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I was gonna mention I. I do hope to, whenever I transplant them, I want to mix in the mycorrhizae um, that we sell here. Oh, nice. Um, into the soil media, and then that's when I'm going to introduce them. That's when I'm going to inoculate them with the mycorrhizae okay. whenever I transplant them from the 288 to the um, 1203. But then the onions, I'm going to incorporate it into the soil at planting. Oh, nice. Because I'm not transplanting those into another cell. Yeah, so, that worked yeah. really well for me last year because I got like the starter plants from uh, from Gurney's and yeah, I just like you know made the rut or made the furrow and then just sprinkled the mycorrhizae and it. I mean, it was a world of difference just just from like the year before to that, um, just because they did establish a lot quicker and just you know just it was a pretty good growth. So it'll be interesting to see though because like that was straight in the ground and this year I'm gonna be doing it in pots. So I think it'll be better in those like in the root pouches and just because it's not so heavy clay soil or whatever. So that'll be cool to see that, um, see how that plays out, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or do you so. do any fertilizing, um, like in your raised beds and stuff prior to um, prior to planting or do, like, do you add any other soil amendments? Um, yeah, so what, what I'll be adding, um, we've got a product called Harvest Gold Silica and um, Craig, <laughs> Craig hates it. He calls it fancy sand. Because um, it's basically all it is is sand, but um, but it's mined from like a, a, trying to think of like the proper terminology. Like it's mined from a, I don't know what they call it. they call it like iron ore. I don't know exact like an iron ore load or something like that. But either way, it's it's mined in the United States and it's got like eighty five percent silica, which helps like with the plant health, just overall plant strength. Um, I've helps. seen a lot of recommendations to using that in a fertilizer program for Silica. things like tomatoes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it helps with like the transportation of calcium and iron. So and that would be why they always recommended it. That exactly. Sense. Yeah, and it's like if you think about like how car, you know, carbon. So silicon's right below carbon on the periodic table. So like in my mind, that just means like it has a lot of places to bind to things. So I think that's I think that's the reasoning, but that's just my really poor like chemistry intuition I guess but so yeah so the silica it worked great like I put it in every other plant last year so I could see like I had one tomato plant that was like eight foot tall and the next one was like six foot tall and then so it just like went like that the whole way down um, so it was interesting plus it like loosens up the soil too because I think they recommend like a one to eight ratio or something like that so harvest gold silica is definitely going to go in there um, mycorrhizae on anything that doesn't already have it in it and then I'm trying to think what else really other than that I'm gonna be kind of making my own mix so I'm gonna mix in like uh, coconut coir and then I'll probably just uh, like use a couple different blends of like either uh, the Lambert mix or Berger and then you know I don't know I'm, I'm kind of it it's a toss-up right now but like I'm I've just been obsessed with coconut like so I'm doing a lot of that and then you know a little bit of make your own mix and then you know it's just a really big test garden for me this year so I'm gonna have like this section's my Lambert mixes this is my Berger 
this is my own custom mix and then kind of just compare those just to see you know if if I can have a big enough plot in my garden yeah that's cool but yeah so so that's and that's kind of why I started the plant or like the planting log too just so I can keep track of all that stuff because it's like I always have this like thought in my head like oh well I'll remember that I planted I put this type of fertilizer (laughs) and I never do I couldn't even remember what plants I put where so yeah so I think that'll help out a lot but um but yeah, so that's that's basically where, where I'm going with that. But yeah, so, you know, and other than that, just using like any kind of organic stuff, um, you know, it's something that a lot of my customers have been saying like, oh, well, is this organic? Is this natural or whatever? And that's, it, it's just kind of funny because it's the same people I feel like that, you know, it, it took a while for organic to kind of catch on around our area, mm-hmm. but now it's like, that's just the standard, you know? anything else is like poison and chemicals you know yeah yeah definitely yeah so are you doing anything else um special in in the ground or like as far as amendments go or yeah um i'm really excited i'm gonna use humic acid this year and some of those different amendments the humic dg for sure um, which like sold off the shelf last year so hopefully i can get some this year i saw it (laughs) You, we just got an order. Yeah, I saw <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, so hopefully then I can get it because mine, I placed the order like a month or so ago because I want it. Yeah. And so I should be getting a call that it's ready for me to pick up. Um, so I'm definitely using a humic DG. Cool. Because um, I have really, really clay soils living by the lake. It's already bad in Ohio, but then I live like right by a lake and just a lot of water and it all, we're in like the lowest part of the oh, county in our wow. watershed <laughs> yeah my dad always complains about it <laughs> um, and we tile we have like tile every 40 feet too wow which of the like 20 years ago that was like really good now everyone does it in our area like every 30 feet oh wow or 20 feet sometimes so um yeah so it's all tile but we just get a lot of heavy rain so having like really good organic um matter you know levels in my soil is really important for the, the water to infiltrate and for the soil mm. to hold the water and not to drain off and puddle and stuff. Um, so I want to use a humic DG. Um, and then I also, we have a dairy farm, a really large dairy farm that um, removes all of the water and all the liquid from the manure. Mm. Um, and it's basically dried cow manure, kind of like the cow pots, but not obviously in cow pot form. Right. Um, and I'm going to we already have a truckload of it and I just need a good day to spread it. Awesome. Um, it's been super muddy. Like we complained last <laughs> week. It hasn't changed. Uh, so want to spread that down as like an organic, um, compost. Um, and then the humic DG and then, uh, I too, I'm like really excited to try out the mycorrhizae and see oh, what yeah. difference that makes. Um, and then, you know, just as far as fertilizer goes, I want to be, I want to have, I want to use a Chapin, those hydrofeed oh, um, yeah. injectors that we got for this year. And they've actually already sold out of one size, which awesome. is really good. <laughs> so um, I want to use one the two gallon hydrofeed um, and then get a, actually get two of them so I can have a mix specific for my tomatoes mm. um, as far as fertilizing throughout the year. And then one for like a general purpose fertilizer. Gotcha. Um, yeah, for yeah, everything. I'm else. glad you said that about the humic DG because as soon as I stopped talking, then I thought I thought of it, yeah. and um, like, and there's another good product that works um, kind of similarly. It's uh, it's called gyp, just black gypsum DG. Oh, I have that on my list too. Do, yeah, yeah, nice. I want to try it out to compare. Yeah, because that I think really the only difference with that one is that it's got calcium in it too. So I was going to get some of that, and both of those are Omri listed too, I believe. Yeah, they are. Okay. 
So, and that's the, the you know perfect product for like tomatoes because um, it's got the sulfur, it's got the calcium, and then um, humic humic acid is basically like um, going. It's just going to provide like a lot of carbon to the soil. So, like that'll help feed the mycorrhizae. It'll help, which then in turn helps break down um, some of those nutrients that are locked in the soil. So, and I think that was. So that's something that'll definitely help. Like you might even see that you'll have you'll reduce like some of your fertiliz- fertilization just because of that humic DG. I bet. Yeah, I was reading an article and it was all about you know it was this company called Agrobio, I think it is, um, and they uh, they sell humic acid and different other acids. Fulvic acid is that another one? Uh, yeah, ful- fulvic. Fulvic. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. it. Um, and you know they had field trials and stuff showing the differences and. I think like big ag producers like corn and soybean growers are already using it and uh yeah I mean horticulture's already been doing it too so yeah. um, I think that's the next big trend honestly you know yeah you're saving money by not having to apply as much N P and K and you're helping out the soil in the process and exactly. it's really affordable it's like 40 pounds for a for a whole acre I believe yeah it yeah. is yeah it's huge and that's well when I was talking at um at that luncheon at the OEFFA show that farmer that sat down next to me, he was an organic grain farmer, and he was in a um, in a class called about soil health or whatever. So we just started talking, and um, and then I had brought up the Humic DG product, and uh, he hadn't heard of it, and they must not have gotten it gotten to it at that point in the show um, or in the presentation. So, like, I think it was like last week we got an email from from our rep at the Andersons and he said, Hey, we got this lead some, um, from one of our distributors in Canada and he sent it to me and it was an organic grain farmer in Ohio. And I'm like, I bet that that had, it's a direct correlation to that, you know, soil health. Um, it was like organic grain farming and soil health or something like that was the topic. Um, so it was like kind of crazy cause it was like, you know, we don't really deal with like row crops, but now that we have this product, it's... It's used by, by everyone, anyone who has soil. Exactly. Turf so. and um, grain and horticulture crops. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's super affordable, too. I think, like, our list list price is, like, forty two ninety nine. Yeah, so, so $40 an acre. <laughs> yeah. And you're not, you're not spending as much money on nitrogen, which is way more... Exactly. Um, ...to apply nitrogen, especially for row crop farmers. Yeah, and like you said, you know, it's going to help with, like, the water holding capacity and just everything. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool product. And, you know, it's like products like that, um, you know, when I was in the sales side, it's like it, it's hard to wrap your mind around that and, like, realize what that product's doing because, you know, it's just because it's science that's so far above our heads or whatever. But, um, but yeah, when you start to learn about it, it's just like everything kind of starts clicking together, like, as far as the the chemistry pieces and the biology pieces and I never thought that I'd have so much science in my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about it. It's yeah, like every me too. day it's like part of our job is to research and to learn about more about the products or learning about the problems and finding products that solve those problems exactly. and make it easier for the grower. Yeah. Well put. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I think we hit everything. Like my last uh Last question I have was just about how long should plants stay in a tray before moving up to like a larger tray or pot or being transplanted in the field? Um, um, that's a good question. Uh, what I do is, you know, like for the 288s, like I said, when I do it up to another pot from that to my next one is whenever they have the second set of true leaves. Okay. Um, yep. And then from, you know, the 1203 um, cell pack, 
size then usually once hopefully as soon as the weather breaks so sometimes sometimes the plants are smaller than they should be whenever i plant them because i want them to be on my schedule and not their right. schedule <laughs> uh and then other times they're too big um but ideally i would plant them in the ground as soon as um the roots started to bind around um around the container that they're in. And mm. I, one thing that I do, <clears throat> if it's ever uh, really, really root bound, this is like whenever you pull that plant out of the pot that it's in, and you see like mostly white and not a lot of soil and the roots start just growing around in a circle, uh, what can happen is that when you plant that, initially it might be slower to take off because it'll continue to grow in that circle oh. and not infiltrate into the soil that you're planting it in. Mm. So I'll, I'll like cut the roots and just break them up a little bit if they're really root bound before I plant them. Okay. Um, that's gen my general rule of thumb. And then whenever I plant tomatoes, I always plant them deep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably yeah I was I was gonna say I um that's kind of why I do certain ones like in the seventy two cell tray just so I don't have to plant them up like. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I I don't really have volume either, but um, cause yeah, I was just blown away like, you know, Kyla works at um kyla works at gardens alive and when she showed me some of the greenhouse you know their operations in the greenhouse it was kind of shocking to me just seeing that they're planting like eggplants and all this stuff up in like a 288 and then transplanting that and then transplanting that again like i don't know it just kind of blew me away but i'm like that makes sense i mean that's their operation and it's going to get it fat you know from that tray into a bigger pot a lot quicker too yeah i think that sometimes plants can get overwhelmed like that seems so weird but sometimes when if you if i were to like plant a tomato into directly into like a big four and a half inch pot mm -hmm. um it seems like it doesn't grow as fast if i did it like in a 288 i don't know if it's yeah. like i know plants can't think but maybe they you know that seed to soil contact mm. or like kind of like a baby whenever it's born yeah it to be wrapped in like a Reps, likes to be wrapped in a cloth you know what I mean in a small warm area mm -hmm. I don't know no, but then that's as true. they grow you know they they get up to the next stage um, that's my yeah. observation I don't have a scientific study to back that right up. that's just how I feel and what I see no that's I think that's about right because like you know the last last year when I tried planting uh, like lettuce seeds it was crazy just the stretching on it and you know a lot of that was because of low light levels but it just wasn't getting getting well established either so yeah so it's interesting just to kind of see you know make those observations over time and like you know and then you had said something about the 288s and i'm like okay i need to do that for sure <laughs> so yeah and other than that like my rule of thumb is just i mean i guess i really don't have one i try to sit you know put them in that until they're going to be good to go outside and you know so it's it's kind of a different perspective i guess and you know it just depends on what your what your goals are and where you're going um, but I think we, I think we nailed just about everything with seed starting, and I'm sure there's plenty of gaps that we could fill in. But, oh yeah, there's but, a lot more detail we yeah. could have gone into, but that would be really boring. Yeah. <laughs> but cool. Well, I think we got a good, uh, good handle on the seed starting. Um, so if you have any, you know, further questions or have any questions about like specific crops, uh, feel free to drop us a line. You know, comment or uh, shoot us a question, uh, like a voice question, if you're using Anchor. Um, we'd love to incorporate those into some future podcasts. So if you have questions, let us know. We can answer that in a few, you know, in the future. Um, but as for today, I think we're going to wrap it up. So thanks for listening in. And as always, we appreciate it.